Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Giant Pod with me, your host, Andy Rintmore. This week, I am chatting to the formidable Jess Helens. Jess has a history in PR, marketing. She's worked within the music industry. She's worked with video games. She's started her own co-working space called Wild Co-working. She's a bloody saint. I love Jess and we have a really good chat. Check it out on The Giant Pod. We're going to try and be professional. Try and be professional. We started now. Yeah. Oh, right. We've already yeah. started. Well, usually what I like to do is I like to go down and get my guests because they don't always have the privilege of being able to get into the <laughs> building. into the building right? like me. And Harry will set the, will, will make this thing record. Yeah. And so when we come in, we get everything. Uh, right? So you sit, you get the preamble, you get the, the, the housekeeping, you get the everything. And then what we do is we find a nice sweet spot to fade in to the pod. I bet Harry's already been recording before he even noticed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But you sort of, Clever. I felt a bit <laughs> ambushed. You just sort of arrived. That's how I do though, isn't it? You're like, all right. That's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here, everyone. And I'm surprised you didn't hear me before I came into the room, to be honest. No, and I couldn't, and you, you come in and you heard me going sort of about, oh, great content. <laughs> I didn't even we, hear you. We were having some what sort of business. I can't remember what it was now. Some business chat. It was a bus- it was it was a businessy chat. It was a content related chat, and uh, I can I can hear myself saying this more and more often now as I go down this sort of this podcast rabbit hole of like yeah, good content that. Oh, I can hear you now. You can hear me now. Yeah, hear me now. Hear me now. Um, content chat. Yeah, well, that's what happens when you um, start something new, isn't it? Yeah. Why did you start this podcast? Well, because because I used to do radio mm. and I really enjoyed it. Mm, radio is great, isn't it? It is so fun. And I stopped doing it because because Thick Ones started getting... Famous. More, well, not famous. Not at the time it wasn't like famous. It's not even really famous, famous now. But like it was, we were getting somewhere. So the effort we were put in, mm. we were getting out. Yeah. And I was putting a lot of effort into radio and getting nothing out of it in yeah. terms of like progression. And something had to give. And so I picked what was working at the time. Mm. But that didn't mean that I, I hated radio. No. It just meant that I was putting a lot of effort into something that was, seemed to be spinning its wheels. Yeah. And um, But then I think about it all the time. Yeah. And so Harry came to me and said, look, I've got this master's degree. I've spent all this money on this gear. Quite a lot of money. Right, we a just lot of money on this gear. And he said, <laughs> I want to start producing podcasts. Great. And I want to do a podcast with you. And I said, you know what? I'm smart enough to know when a, a bloody door opens. You've got to go through it, Jess <laughs> yeah. Helens. Bloody great big door for right? you. Because I thought to myself, yeah, I'll do a podcast somewhere in the future. Yeah. But there's no way I would have the money to spend on this stuff or make it no sound way. as good as Harry does. No. So I wasn't sure if I'd have the time and everything. But like most things in life, if you want to do it, just get on and you do it. You make the time, don't you? Yeah, that's what I do. A lot of time recently. For have this. you? Yeah. yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. When you actually enjoy something, you're like, oh, I seems to be doing it all the time. Squeezing every Weird. hour. Yeah. Oh, we, it's yeah. great that you love it though. I'm. I'm. Yeah. I'm liking it a lot. I like it. I like being on the radio. Yes. I've never done it. I think this, hold up, I think this might be my first podcast. Hell yeah. You popped my podcast cherry. Yeah. Weird. I made it weird, didn't I? Did you? Yeah. Well, wow. it would have been weird is if Is this I... like a family show? My allowed No, to? say whatever you want. Whoa, don't. I would reserve the C-bomb for when it's absolutely Proper. necessary. Yeah, when I would it's. Say. When you to need avoid it. being crass, but you can basically say what you want. We've got edit control as well, so if you put your foot in your mouth, I'll tell you. I'll be like tell, cut. Cut. You just just if you're laid in bed tonight, and you go, oh no, I said that. Just mm. chuck me a little message on yeah. old Instagram yeah. DMs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you talking to me like I'm a grandma? I don't know. Um, oh no, if you put 
pop onto your Instagram <laughs> and if you if you swipe left, you can find the left. Swipe right. left, that's Tinder. Le- no, no, you swipe left. Oh, uh, sorry. Uh, yeah, no, now no, I'm you're teaching right. you. No, you're right, yeah. I'm, not- I go about it like an old man. I go proper like to the little thing and I don't do any of that. I rarely do the swipey stuff on there. Sure. I go to the little um, paper aeroplane thing. You icon. are mental. I know. Can't weird. even imagine what it looks like. Oh, you mean like that you click that? Yeah, I click that. That is weird. Is it? Yeah, I just do that. Look look at that. Swipey, swipey. Yeah, very efficient. That is. Well, this is top quality content. Yeah. This content. is what you were after. Content. Wasn't it? We're all about content here at the Giant Pod. What does content mean with to you? Content, Giant, hang on. With to- I didn't even know the title of the podcast. So welcome to the Giant Pod, Jess, with <laughs> Andy got a Rintmore. have jingle yet. Let's not forget the with Andy Rintmore bit. Sorry. On it. Interrupted. Um, the important bit. That's fine. Just mute her at that bit. <laughs> Cut. <laughs> um, the, so, yeah, welcome to the Giant Pod. Sorry, I thought I'd um, mentioned it to you. No. Giant. Why? Oh, that's weird. Why is it called Giant Podcast, well, Andy? Maybe, Jess. It's because I'm a bloody giant. You're a bloody giant man. I'm a giant man, and we've also sort of between us theorised that this might be some kind of metaphorical pod. Because you're talking to giants within the industries, yeah. aka. <laughs> wait, wait. Wow. I so, haven't thought of that angle, but there yeah, you go. it's applicable here. <laughs> Correct, Mondo. <laughs> I was going to say, Jess, if you um, you won't put your foot in your mouth, will you? Because you're right. a PR agent and you understand. Oh yeah. You understand all that, don't yeah. you? Yeah. Yeah. How did we get started? Because uh, so there's a part of this that I haven't really told you about because oh. I know that you'd be great anyway. So I've just sort of invited oh, you here. Instead of doing a podcast, come on it. I've given you anything. Nothing. I, really? I don't. I don't even. Didn't even think about what I'm going to talk about. Yeah, which is fine. often quite dangerous. But that's how I like to do it. I like to wing it. You know. Yeah. That's what I do on the radio. I think you can wing it. it. You keep mentioning radio. Wow. <laughs> Just I like the radio. Sometimes you... I'm, on, I'm on it. <laughs> if you were, if you were asking. Shout out BBC Somerset. Uh, if you must. I did hear Clang. you on there the other day. You were picking out news articles yeah, weren't you that that and you were doing your your best little dissection i guess i mean you the... say best dissection did you actually listen to it because it's well, often I thought it was all right. absolute nonsense it wasn't particularly profound no that's why they get me on there i think but but you so were entertaining like, hey, guess who's best biscuit got voted this week <laughs> and last time i picked a story about a man that reviewed benches yes they loved that what a it's, time to be alive it's great Breakfast show material. Anyway, what, what was the bench about? guy about? I did see something about that briefly online. So there's a fella that's gone around and he's reviewing benches. I've got this thing. I love um, newspaper articles, well, headlines that have got ridiculous titles. Right. Um, and me and my dad actually have a good laugh. There's there's a few kind of roundup roundups that you can find in... And they're in books and stuff, but this one about the park benches really got me. This guy just goes around the southwest and across the UK reviewing the benches, takes a photo of them, puts them on his Instagram, rates them out of five, five out of five. Or he hasn't got, a, no, hang on, it's, I think it's out of ten, he hasn't got a perfect score yet. Oh, uh, he's one of those, is he? Yeah, but he's only about 24 and I'm like, dude, right. like, what? What's happened? So how's he finding them? Is he getting tip-offs of what's a good bench? Um, I can find I can find it and read. I'm not. Do you know what? If you want to listen to it, you can listen to it on BBC Radio. Some sound on, on uh, the BBC sounds, sounds app. app. <laughs> no, I'm I'm making it sound like I'm on the radio regularly. It's just you're on there fairly regularly. No, aren't not really. You? Once a month. Every, That's pretty every good. Every couple of weeks. Whatever. I've only been on BBC Somerset once. That surprises me. But you're on Six Music quite a lot, aren't you? Oh, thank you, Jess. Clang. There you Doo-doo. go. You're welcome. You go. Uh, <laughs> and it was fun. Did you hear it when I was on there? I don't think you did. Yeah. Did you hear it? Yeah. And they asked me questions. I went, I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. As the Deputy Mayor, I was yeah. asked questions. I said, I'm not going to lie to you. I haven't been up there yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it looks great from I, the pictures I've seen. <laughs> I listened to it and I had my PR head on. Right. And I was like, he needed to talk to me before he did that interview. <laughs> so I was like, 
It's like someone's just woken him up and said, can you go on the radio and talk about... It's essentially what happened. Yeah, I thought so. Um, you're obviously great, you know, as Deputy Mayor of Froome. Deputy Mayor of Froome. Fromage. Um, but, uh, yeah, I could tell. Maybe it's because I know you. Yeah. But I think <laughs> my favourite was like, yeah, they've like um, sprayed picnic blankets or something on the grass. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, oh, oh yeah, they people used to, don't know, I haven't been up there yet. <laughs> <laughs> my dad just said, I, I kind of, my dad was like, I liked it. I thought it was good. But there was a couple of moments where I thought maybe you could have lied. <laughs> Yes, Dad. Dad is a PR expert. Yeah, and I just, said, I know, but that's that's, <laughs> that's not, not really you, what on my brand. No, that's not really my thing. Oh, you say brand, but I don't think you're capable of. of no, I'm not spinning that, it. I'm not that cynical, but that's not. I guess what I mean by brand is it's that's not very me. Yeah, well, you know it's, what I mean, I, I don't feel like really if like asked you to lie. You'd be like, no, incapable. I don't want it. But the thing is, that's the thing. I, I feel that's what makes me different and always would have made me different in the mm. local political realm is that some people are going to come here and play the game. And there's a certain... <laughs> right, there's a certain I just wish everyone could have seen that. It's a bit of house of cards, isn't it? But, oh, yeah, but like, played the game. Played the game. Uh, but I don't know. I think people are just a bit sick of people playing the game, aren't they? I was thinking about that on the way over, actually. Because I was thinking about local politics and actually just generally the government at the moment because, you know, 2020 is one of the weirdest years we've ever experienced. And the government just are being the government, which we would expect the Tories to be, but we voted them. Me and you didn't vote them in. A lot of people voted them in. And I was thinking about how politics are, is essentially like a big communications and and I'm talking communications as in like PR and marketing they have to convince a lot of people to buy them buy into them yeah. and and so there's a lot of spin as we know and it works on a lot of people and actually that's go, going into the virtual world now as opposed to just people kind of talking to the public this is be, we're being manipulated mm. um through social media a lot it's like we used to need really good public speakers yeah. and charismatic yeah. Uh, people to sell these mm. ideas. Now you don't necessarily need someone who's got an incredible skill at talking to a room. Yeah. It's all about um, so the social media influence. Yeah, and and I think like it, I think politics sometimes, unfortunately, doesn't attract the right people. Froome's lucky to have you as a deputy mayor and as a council, you know, before as a councillor, because you wanted to make a difference. But I think a lot of politicians go into politics because they think that they can make a difference, but they don't really understand what that is. Or, like, they're quite narcissistic, so then we'll think just about their own little bubble, and that's what we're seeing with the Tories. Um but then I don't think that uh, politicians are paid or have a, a kind of lifestyle that people that, you know, that run large corporations that are really good at strategy and really good at motivating people and really know how to lead. They don't want anything to do with politics. It's boring. It's like a boys club. So right. then you're stuck with like, okay we've got to reinvent the wheel but how are we going to start that it's just because if you go and you become a ceo yeah say of, of a company or a, 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 a position of some sort of equivalence um you get paid way more and mm. you get hated by way less people than if you go down the political route possibly so there's but... almost no real incentive for them no. to go into politics and function at the highest capacity yeah so are you saying that if the the country was run by more people that are a bit more like that not necessarily i think i think like because of what i do every day is trying i'm trying to change the business landscape through empowering women and um encouraging people to come together to collaborate and work together and, and make people realize how 
the business landscape can be. And a lot of people have said to me, actually, what, why don't you go into politics or local government? And we've actually had a brief chat about it. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, yeah. I think it's about representation as well. And this is like, we can get onto that in a minute, but yeah. I don't see myself in government and there's parts of me that's like I could infiltrate from the inside out but man alive that would take me forever and do I have the energy or do I actually want to create my own community and make change from outside mm. and and affect that change through people through you know groups of women yeah. yes I'd much prefer that I think you would be great in the local political uh realm um I definitely did not see myself either as a anything yeah. like th th this and the change the personal growth the change of the mm. the person i used to be to the person i'm now and but uh, just over a year it's been really drastic and that's just because of like responsibility i mm. think and some shedding of naivety mm. um i don't think i would be able to function in a different political environment mm. so i think a local town-based council like the independence scene here in Froome is mm. great for me. Mm. Um, I think you would also do really well there as well. I, mean, I, I, I guess you'd probably think of of things as being far more wing clipping and... Um, yeah, a little bit, I suppose. Yeah, it's really not like that. But yeah, we did have a yeah, chat. Yeah, not here, not here. No, but somewhere else. And then you went and moved to Bristol, didn't you? So that sort of <laughs> idea went out the window. But I really do think that you would uh, you would be a really good town councillor. And I think that you'd, you'd be a fantastic mayoress as well one day. Oh, that's well, big. Yeah, well, you know. Oh, I can imagine the chains on me. Yeah. Just wander around. Why haven't you got them on now? Um. Well, because I'm not, you know, on an official... Do you have to get them out of a safe? No, nothing. No, it's not that rock and roll, really. Oh, they're literally they're that. in a little jewelry. The, my deputy mayor medallion mm. thing is in <laughs> thing is in a <laughs> in my jewelry box thing at home with my granddad's watch, another watch that doesn't work, yeah. an old passport picture of me, and just general crap. Basically, it's in there. Um, Great, you're Tom looking after it really well then. Well, I am, I am. And the fact that um, because of COVID, I'm not actually using it at all, so it's getting no wear and tear ever. No, yeah. Other than the odd photo shoot. But um, I did have uh, Tom McGowan, um, who was on the show previously, who's a goldsmith. Oh. He's done stuff for like the Queen and, wow. and Ewan McGregor and, um, wow. and things like that. Um, he was going to make me a new chain for it. Right. Because what's on it at the moment is this little... Um, like ribbon type thing yeah. it's almost like a medal mm -hmm. and it stinks does it yeah it stinks like um, an amalgamation of like Ooh, five to ten ex-mayor uh, deputy mayor's colognes <laughs> and perfumes and and stuff it's just got a very strange smell to it does it smell a bit like a museum no not really it's very floral it's quite a oh. strong yeah because it's definitely perfumes and stuff right. But it's just like I said, it's every time they've put it on for something, they've dashed themselves with whatever. And you don't really wear perfume, do you? Well, I so wear a little bit of, you know, cologne. 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 On special occasions. Yeah, I've got a little bit on now. Have you? Yeah. Can't smell it. Yeah, you're not what close enough to me. It's Calvin Klein. Oh, nice. But, yeah, so I'd like a, a chain, really, because I don't feel that the, the ribbon thing aesthetically really lends yeah. itself to every piece of clothing I so have. So what are you going to do? Melt down a load of gold? and? Uh... Well, he said to get him three... Three of the finest bottles of white wine I could f afford for him, and he'll do it for nothing. Shut the front door. Yeah, yeah. I still haven't got it, though. <laughs> <laughs> you must... You are one of those people that gets people to... Like, I've driven to from Bristol for this tonight. You're uh -huh. welcome, by the way. So, it's worth it, isn't it? And I appreciate that. Yeah, effort. thank you. Um, anyway, what were you going to tell me before we got onto politics, which we said we weren't going to talk about? You said that you do a section of the podcast you haven't told me about. No? No. No, I don't know what to talk about. Are you about to surprise me with something? No, so? no, no. A section of the podcast I didn't tell you, you about. You said I haven't... You didn't prepare me. There's something that you need to tell me. Oh, I just meant that... I just meant that I didn't really give you any overall... All for right. the podcast. So essentially, this podcast is slightly biographical at times. I Basically, I want to talk with imp impressive, okay. extraordinary, interesting people, right? <laughs> okay. I want to talk to people who've lived, who've done things, yeah. who are doing interesting things, people with drive, people with passion, 
anyone who's got had an interesting ride, basically. Okay. But that with that intrinsically is a slightly biographical nature to okay. it because the listener needs to kind of know yeah. who, what you do and how yeah. you got there. And I, that's what I'm fascinated because I know, because I know you. Yeah. But there are some people that will come on here who I don't know um, mm. very intimately and I want to know about their life and why they went to this college and university and why they chose this particular path and right. what doors, you know. You know, life stories, are, yeah. they're fascinating. The only yeah. books I read are autobiographical, are so it just sort of makes sense. Well, I like a Batman graphic novel. Yeah, so who get doesn't? Me wrong. Um, but the only books, like proper books, literacy, literary stuff yeah. I read, I almost said literacy. <laughs> <laughs> the only literary stuff I read yeah. is basically autobiographical, so it kind of makes sense that a lot of my podcast stuff is just going to be okay. sort of nosy. Yeah, well, ask me what you like. What do you want to know? Well, you know... Um, <laughs> Where should we start? <laughs> I feel like we've hit a reset button. <laughs> well, now I know what I'm meant to be talking about rather than absolute nonsense. I can give you the well, content you I don't think any need. of that was nonsense. I thought that was all right. I can't even remember good. what we spoke about. I'm coming well, down off well, the sugar you, high Well, you now. mentioned the, the wild co-working yeah. space. So it probably makes sense to explain what that is. Yeah, well, I suppose we... Yeah, and how we you got there. there. So, so how did you start your professional... What was it? Give me a moment when you went, you know what? I want to work in PR and marketing and I want to be this, you know, inspirational um, force of nature, uh, independent woman. (laughs) From about the age of three. (laughs) No, I think um, I think I've always in all seriousness, I do think I've always had um, a kind of, I guess, a kind of stubbornness about me that I'm like, no, nope, I can do it. Um, and that's kind of seen me through. But in terms of PR and marketing, I went to uni and did art and visual culture. And I realised I didn't want to be an artist and thought, oh, I'd like to represent artists. And then I just worked my ass off, like, for years. I started at Preslovic. I did work experience at galleries. Um, I did massive campaigns at Preslovic and then went to agencies and SS Great Britain and I worked with like Ali Pally and Jamie Oliver and like you know big celebs at Bristol Vic so I've seen so tell me about the old Vic what is what is the old Vic is it's it... the theatre in Bristol right and um when I first started it had just come out of being completely dark for about a year because I'd lost all the money and uh we were on the track to kind of reopening the theatre and it looks totally different now because they've completely redone the whole theatre. Well, I guess, yeah, the theatre. So there's a theatre role in the studio and the whole um, kind of complex of the theatre now looks completely different to when I first started. But um, uh, yeah, that was that was an incredible time that like kickstarted my career. I did photo shoots with Daniel Day Lewis and Tell me about that. Oh he's he's Because I know you've got I know you're a big fan. Every time I mention him in one of my Instagram stories or something. No, I come know. off it. Every time you chatting about Daniel Day Lewis too often then. No, well no, okay, all right, all right, okay. I I I, I put him in my story. I said maybe once. Recently and I thought I bet Jess is gonna pop up and tell me about the time she did a photo shoot. <laughs> there you were. I love Daniel. Daniel loves me. He said this about me once. Well, there you go then. Why do what like Why what did he say? I'm not gonna tell you now. <laughs> Sorry, listeners, you'll have to find out another day. You probably will. You probably overhear me telling someone else. <laughs> <laughs> so Daniel was a nice boy. He's a nice man. He's got beautiful blue eyes and he's a charming man. Yes. That's all you need to know. All right. Um, but that kind of kick-started everything for me. And I... Oh, look at that. I spilled water all over me. Of course I have. I was going to point it out that you'd I sort of spilled water have. on your top, but I didn't want to put you off your stroke. Absolutely everywhere. It's no surprise, it's pretty standard. Um, yeah, I, I just kind of, I, lo- I loved it. And I have, I loved PR because I loved dealing with the media. But the way that PR has changed now, it, it is so different to how I started and kind of um, carried on my career. When I was at SS Great Britain, I used to work with like TV a lot. And I loved that, like being on 
the kind of site with TV crews and telling them about the, I love museums. Like I love museums. I really miss museums. Um, what was it about them that you love? So I much? love the smell. I love the smell of a museum. <laughs> I love the intimacy. Right. I love that you can find quiet corners where nobody else is and just sit in a place where, like, surrounded by old stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's surrounded by history and um, just, I don't know, there's something really nostalgic about it. Um, I wrote my whole dissertation on it. I won't go into that now. It's boring. But, yeah, so that that kind of, like, <clears throat> cemented my PR and marketing stuff career. And then, and then I moved to Brighton for a bit <clears throat> and um, worked in music education and music. So um, for BIM globally. So worked in Berlin and BIM is the... British Institute of Modern... British and Irish Modern Music... Uh, British and Irish Institute of Modern Music. Right. Um, it doesn't really work with the acronym, but... Um, yeah, so that that kind of... Uh, was, that was okay. And then I started working for ACM, the Academy of Contemporary Music. Uh-huh. That's, that's BIM's sort of main competitor, <laughs> Yeah, isn't I got it, poached so? by them. Right. And and, and then... Uh, and I kind of worked out for Metropolis Studios as well, so I had, had a, a, a real insight into music industry. Where is Metropolis? In London? In London, yeah. Right. Uh, saw Elton John there. Once Did you? going in to record. Is that where Primal Scream recorded? Uh, I don't know. Queen did a lot of recording there. It's like Freddie Mercury's pianos there and oh. they've recorded uh, videos and stuff. So right. being in that building was amazing. But the music industry, I don't need to tell you, but although it's very different, you being a man and, and me being a woman, although we're both very privileged because we're both white. Um, but... Jeez, I never want to work in music ever again. It changed my opinion of the industry massively. I knew it was tough, but even from my point of view, from like working in music education and in marketing, it broke me, honestly. And I've never experienced so much misogyny than I had in those like s that small amount of time working in that industry. Um, and sexual harassment, and it was horrific. Um, so I think that is an industry that needs <clears throat> breaking down and, and building again, because it's, I, th I think it's kind of on its way, but because the world has changed so much, it's still got execs that are used to having a huge budget yeah. that now have no budget. They're used to having a certain lifestyle. Um, they're used to being adored like music gods and having power in inverted commas. Um, and it's just not like that anymore. So then you see, so working in education, it, you see all these kind of really hopeful young musicians that are really talented, some of them, <laughs> some of them really not, but the yeah. university wants them to pay their tuition fees so they they tell them they're great, which I think is awful. Yeah. Um, and then... They just get chewed up and spat out, and uh -huh. um, it—it's not even about being strong. It's about navigating this weird world, um, and I think that's why you're seeing a lot of independent artists now because it's like, well, I don't need that; I can do it myself. Yeah. So anyway, this is a long and winding story no, to where is, I got this to. Is great. Um, but uh, at the end of 2016, I was living in Brighton, working at ACM, and I was—I was done. I, I was. I was I got really poorly. I hadn't I didn't really have a life. Like well, I was head of marketing and I was picked up in by a driver in this van with Wi-Fi so I could work in this like Mercedes. It, I mean, on from the outside it looked really glamorous. Like I'd be picked up by this driver and with the team and 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 we'd sit in this Mercedes with like fridge and armrest and screens and Wi-Fi. But I was so miserable. It was awful. I was having panic attacks. It was, it was, it was just not okay. And I think at that point I was like, okay, what do I need to do? And I just thought I need to go home. I need to go back to the Southwest. I need to get out of this town. I need to get as far away as I can from these people. So I moved home to my mum's house 
like a few months before I turned 30, not what I ever expected for my life. Um, I thought, you know, when I was 18, I thought by the time I was 28, I'd have kids and a career and a husband and a dog, you know, like in a house and I'd own a house and whatever. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so I moved home to mum's house and I couldn't work for like three months. I was absolutely broken. I was really poorly, mentally, physically, uh, rock bottom. That That is my rock bottom. Right. So I, I think if anyone's ever reached rock bottom, you know how you can, you can, can't even imagine how you might get out of that place. Um, and I, I really had no idea. Uh, so honestly, going home to my mum's kind of where well, it saved me, to be honest. And and from her, from kind of being at home and looking at what I wanted to do, I thought, ooh, I could do a bit of freelance. I could start my own business because I've got, you know, this is a good opportunity. I've I started to find my drive again and thought, fuck it, let's give it a go. So I started with an artist and got them some nice national coverage in the Telegraph and thought, oh, I can do this, I can do this. Yeah. And then from her kind of front room office, I built JDH, which is JDH Communications, which is still alive today, three years down the line. And now we work with um, uh, parts of the NHS and massive um, uh, collaborations like theatre, again, so arts and culture, marketing and PR. Um, and then kind of halfway through that year, mm, I thought, I'm so lonely. I'm so lonely sat here on my own. And I think actually a lot of people now have started to realise how lonely it is to work from home on your own. Or even if you've got a family surround it, surrounding you, if you're used to working in a team or if you're used to working even in a cafe, if you're sat at home, you're like, you can go for days without talking to someone. So I was like, okay, I kind of want a space, but I want a space that means more than just an office. I want it to kind of define the new way of working that I think is possible for everybody. Flexible, um, safe, um, and inspiring. And actually, I'd been to so many networking events where... Um, I was faced with, oh, right, I, I'd, I'd, the majority of networking events I was going to, I was faced with an outdated kind of, I call it the landscape because you literally look out into these events and see white, older white men in suits looking at you like, in a way that I can't describe, but you just know that they're going to say something that... Um, it's going to make you feel like shit. Often it would be like, oh, what um, company are you from? Um, so I'd tell them and they'd be like, oh, right, you... Um, he'd ask me if I was the assistant or account exec. And so when I told them Something I was the owner... other than the big bad boss. Yeah, right. it's, ne it's never that. It's changed a lot now, I feel like. I think probably that's a lot to do with me, but I was face I, I kept encountering it and thought, this needs to change. And, and, and for my colleagues that are black or women of colour, geez, that's a whole other ball game. And I had no idea that it was like that because obviously I was brand new to the world of business. I knew music was was like that because it is and it needs to change, but I just assumed that was just music. But um, uh, so then I thought, okay, what do we do? I need to create, I need to make a space in a community where people feel like they can take ownership of their own career and have autonomy over what they want to do and for it not to have a nine to five attached to it and for them not to feel like they can't say, because I still get it now, women at Wild, so I started Wild, Wild Coworking. Um, it was a concept long before it opened, but I, after I moved to Froome, um, I spoke to the town council and they had a space. It wasn't that quite strict quite that straightforward it took a lot longer than that um but we opened in frame and and even now our members a lot of them are like oh I'm just a freelancer or you know 
And it's fine if you want to call yourself a freelancer, but if you want to call yourself a CEO, call yourself a fucking CEO, call yourself a director, take up the space because if you don't, someone will just try and make you feel smaller. Um, And that's, that's what I, that's how we're changing the landscape. One of the ways. And a co-working space is, it's like a communal space. Mm. It's a hot desking space. Hot, so what is so? Run me through. Say I'm an alien. Run me through yeah. a hot desking space. So if you turned up at Wild, yeah. you'd see me, um, and now you'd only see four desks um, because of COVID. But um, you turn up and make a cup of tea, maybe if you wanted. Find somewhere to sit. Sit there for the day or part of the day. Do your work, surrounded by other people doing their own work and go home. It's in place of that office environment that so many of us freelancers really miss. Um, it's it, I can't describe it, but it's some kind of magic that happens when you're sat alongside, when you're sat next to someone else also working on something, it it, it turns your productivity up by like 60%. It's, it's, it it right. is mad, is, uh, but it works. It, is that competition? No. Or it's just because you could be working on two completely separate things, and right? And you have to know, yeah. But it's, it's the... Um, so I, I subscribe massively to the idea of... Um, surrounding yourself with successful people or people that are going to make you want to push yourself Mm -hmm. they don't necessarily all have to be millionaires that's not not what i'm saying but it's not success to some people yeah exactly but you but people that are making moves in the in the directions they Mm -hmm. want to make moves in and, and and you can get caught in that slipstream or and feed off of that energy yeah is that what you're talking about yeah a little bit of that but honestly it's just company at the end of the day like yeah. it, 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 we have the conversations that are helpful and inspiring and um, being around women who are also working on their empires or working hard or or juggling family and building businesses multiple at one time as well as dogs and it, like it, it does make you feel as well as dogs yeah like, <laughs> like we have dogs at Wild all the time which is what made me think of it yeah um, but like they're doing everything and um, by the way, I I feel like I don't, I never need to address this with you, but I know that a lot of people will be like, my only women, because that's what I always get. Yeah. Um, isn't it sexist? No, just because we're empowering women doesn't mean we're disempowering men. Yeah. We love men. I love men. I work with a lot of men, but actually um, uh, in order to restore the balance it's not even restoring the balance because there's never been a balance but to kind of change things we need to treat oppressed groups differently and not like the how the oppressor treats us you know anyway um it is it is about being surrounded by um amazing women because our members are amazing yeah but I honestly, it's as simple as sitting next to somebody else who's also got their laptop open, who is also trying to concentrate. And you think, like when you're at home, you maybe work for half an hour, hour and think, oh, I'll just do the washing or I'll just get up and have a look at something else or I'll scroll. And if someone else is tapping away, you're like, oh, I'll just get it done. It is so, it's like magic. It really is so good. And do you have moments of collaboration, sort of unofficial yeah. collaboration, where someone might say, "Girls, I need a word for energize that isn't um, what tight <laughs> coat break." <laughs> <laughs> That's not where I was going. That's what it sounded like. Um, no, there, there was a moment actually um, when I first, kind, of, kind of end of. So we turned one in March 2020. Literally four days between before lockdown happened. Um, And a few months before that, there was a moment where I was sat in wild and it was full of people. And there were new people there. There were uh, founding members there. There were people having meetings. um, And and then there was like spontaneous collaboration happening. And I was like, fuck, I fucking done it. Like, this is it. This is what I was aiming for. Like... Everyone is here for the same reason, because they want to feel less alone. They want to find like-minded people 
and they just want to get shit done. Yeah. Like that's all. That's what which and in in a space where there's no distractions, there's like the radio's on, but we're it's it's just it's like being it like working in a cafe as a freelancer, but knowing that you're wanted there. Yeah. Tea and coffee's free. Snacks are free, uh-huh. and other people are also there for the same reason. Yeah. It's and I guess magic. you have a support network as well there as yeah. well because a friendship and a camaraderie yeah. will come out of this as well. Yeah. And life happens. Yeah. Whether you're a quote unquote professional or not, mm. life happens. And and I guess there are times when, you know, you're all agony ants or yeah. you're all like helping each other out yeah. with, with projects or, and I guess you're in a room surrounded by people from all different disciplines yeah. who, who are at varying stages of experience. Yeah. And you can sort of level each other up in your in your weak spots yeah which i think is amazing yeah that is what happens and we've got a whatsapp group so during covid lockdown oh like we saved each other and we i ran virtual cuppers which is just basically opening zoom up to people that want to come and have a chat we're about to launch virtual co-working which is really exciting um they're like group accountability sessions so essentially what you get in person but you're able to do it wherever you are um, so if people are isolating, they can still co-work with us. So, um, and I think that's really going to change the game. And so that's how, exciting. How does that look? They they just have, basically have Zoom on, like yeah. have the radio on. Yeah. Or... So what we're going to do, <clears throat> essentially that, Zoom in the background. Yeah. But we'll start the call. We'll do, we'll, I'm going to do it for three days a week and a couple of hours a day. We'll start the call and just say hello. And then um, I'm going to have like a Google spreadsheet up and people will put in their name and what they're working on for the first task. We'll all go away for 25 minutes, work on that task, come back for five, 10 minutes, chat about that and see how it's going, then go away and so on and so forth until two hours is up. And then so we want to like, for example, I would use it and say, right, I want to get these three things done in the next two hours and you are helping me stay accountable for it because you're also here doing it. Right. Um, So you're policing each other. Yeah, in a way. You're helping keep each other accountable. And um, so actually a member, Hannah, uh, inspired me with that. She said that she's done it somewhere else and it works really well. So I'm really excited about that. That's launching this week. Um, I mean, there's other restrictions coming in at the moment, so we're unsure about what's going to happen. So it's a uh, uh, watch this space yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, it is a bit. But the virtual co-working will happen anyway. Yeah. So the point of this recording, we've just had this, we've just had, uh, yeah. what's the date today? Mm-hmm. What's the date today? Anyway, so the point of this recording, we've got some new lockdown measures coming in, which are slightly ambiguous at the moment, let's yeah. say. So we need to see how that pans out. Yeah. But give me um, give me an example of a, a really good success story from Wild. Oh, I know that, that um, they're all they're all pretty impressive. Well, we've got so many different members. We've got people that came to Wild um, still working at their job with a dream that they wanted to create and now I'm seeing them selling their products and that's under a year like that's that's in like six months and that and and that's happening across the board with members that are just part of wild then I've worked with uh, about six businesses six women who have had manifestation Monday so I run accountability calls and it's a tiny bit like coaching, but I'm not a coach, so I don't call it coaching. But What's an accountability call? So I will um, plan, uh, kind of help develop a business alongside one of our members. And every other week I'll call them and we'll run through the points that they're, they're take the steps that they're taking in order to grow this business. Okay. So I'm keeping them accountable for their own goals that they've set themselves. I see, right. So um, sometimes I think, like, I've had to remind some of the members that I'm not there to, like, check up on them. Or yeah. it's, not, it's not my business, it's theirs. I'm just there as a, rem- a reminder, a yeah. person that's reminding them of what they've set themselves. Um, and we've had, um, I mean, I have... I have done, I mean, I help them keep accountable. I'm not taking credit, but this is, they're, they're massive successes 
um, women that have come and started at well, well, become a member, started the Manifestation Mondays with an idea. Um, and they kind of actually, I'm not going to name names, but there's one member who um, has been doing it for probably about nine months. I think it may be even longer than that, maybe even almost a year now. And she's just stopped them actually because she's got to where she wanted to be. She started and came to me and said, I don't know what I'm doing. I, this, and I said to her, what is your vision? Like, what is it that you see when you think this is what I might want my future to be like? You know, we've all got that vision of like, this is what I want, right? Yeah. Sometimes we don't, but she did. And she thought there's no way I'm going to be able to have that. Um, she's a single mum and didn't even know what, this role was that she wanted to create for herself or what the business was or service that she wanted to offer and um, was just like, oh, I shouldn't charge this and was working for free for a lot of people because the kind of self-worth side of things wasn't there. And then in the last kind of month or so, she has got exactly what she wanted. Um, she's got autonomy and control over her own life. She's earning... a a decent amount of money, um, launched her own business, built a website, employed people. Like it's it is wow. major. So like that there's a few of those. And I see those as a success, not mine, but their successes. Yeah. Um but without Wild, I really don't think like it would have happened, but I I don't think that it would happen have happened necessarily as quickly. Yeah. Um and I think that's what um is really important is that actually post-COVID especially now, that's really, that's where the magic, that's like the sweet spot where women can join together and, um, and you know, <laughs> essentially grow the economy, like recover the economy again. Um, but it's mainly um, change their own lives. And that's, that's massive, especially when, you know, when you're employed, you can't have flexible working. Well, that might change now, but it's unlikely. You're not offered... Um, flexible working or you know working from home mm. even if you're a single mum with two kids and you've got to somehow get them from school when you're meant to be working till five o'clock it's mad but things are changing is that do you think there's going to be a sea change I think that it's been happen is people have been trying to make that happen for a long time right I worry that there's a lot of things happening at the moment that seem to be taking us back in time. And the when stuff like shit hits the fan, people try and take control again. And I really think that we're in a time of divide and conquer at the moment as well. And often the people that lose out are women, mothers at home with kids. Um, and we've seen that. There's like been like a 60% rise in women taking over the domestic chores in the household, which is bizarre, but it feels like that's part of the control. I sound like someone wearing a tinfoil hat now. Um, <laughs> but there's a lot of change at the moment, and I think there's a lot of good change, but I, I also think that um, there's a lot of fear of right. that good change happening. Do you feel like you have to sort of bolster your focus keep your eye on the yeah. prize kind of thing yeah it's hard to do that when yeah. you as a business owner at the moment have no idea what's happening like the announcements today have really thrown me and I've have to give myself like 24 hours to digest it plan it but that could change tomorrow again right so it's for I'm an aggressive planner as well so I normally know in my head what's going to happen yeah in the next three six months to a year, then five years, I know where I want to be. Right. That's just what happens, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know if I've planned five years. Really? I definitely, I, def I definitely have a picture of what. Do I'm, you? What does that look like? Um. I just, I would really love to be earning my main chunk of, you know, my monthly wage. Let's say. Mm -hmm from something that didn't feel like work necessarily. Yeah. Something that was a bit more stimulating. This would be nice. Yeah. So a bit more stimulating, a bit more creative. Yeah. Um, I don't hate the job I have, but 
I definitely have always felt like... Are you just saying that because you think other people will listen to it and then you won't get fired? No, no, I won't get fired. <laughs> Protect the job. Protect the job. No, no, I just feel, you know, I just feel like I could do something. I always felt like I could do something a bit more fulfilling. Yeah. Um, I feel like I've done quite a lot of the stuff that I dreamt of doing. Yeah. Um, but then a lot of these, a lot of dreams you have, um, when you when you actually start making them happen, mm. you the goalposts change. Yeah. Because you get a real idea yeah of of it and things and, and i think it's okay to to be dynamic and flexible and course correct along the way you know not everyone says i'm going to do this and then the path to that is straightforward or you know you have to take the different routes you yeah. have to go the, the easiest route sometimes you got to go harder routes yeah. if you know there's going to be experience in it and then the end result you might actually get basically get what you set out for mm. but i don't think it's necessarily always what you set out for so i think i've achieved a lot of what i wanted to do um it's just that things like real life happens and reality happens and these things shift and they change in the way that that they are completed or, or the reality of 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 what that dream actually is is slightly different yeah. to, to how it is in your head when you conceive it yeah it's totally fine it's part of life's interesting yeah uh, ebbs and flows. Flows, yeah. Um, so other than, so tell me about these, because um, this is something I always meant to ask you about, and I don't think I actually did. Uh -oh. The dental kits that you, oh, because you, you don't just do wild and um, GDH. JDH. JDH, sorry. GDH is my brother. <laughs> um, <clears throat> um, so Habox, I'm not so involved with that anymore, but... Um, and that is absolutely nailing it. The girls are absolutely destroying it. They're, they're doing so well. Um, I helped launch my Habox, which is an oral health subscription box for children. Um, because uh, Katie and Justina, the founders, wanted to change, um, basically wanted to stop pulling teeth out of children uh, because of decay. And so they created a subscription box that is uh, designed to help form healthy habits within children. Um, and oh, it's been a journey, but they, I kind of, it's, it's kind of one of those that I, again, like I really like that start of, it's stressful. I don't know why I like it so much, but I like the start of a business and like being the consultant on the kind of PR and marketing side of things. Um, and the business strategy as well now, um, and that's kind of how I worked with them. Um, and I'm, I, I suppose, officially their kind of, I was their, not so much anymore, but their chief marketing officer. And, um, but they're, they're smashing it. I've got, I've really got not, not much to do with them anymore. Um, but they're my like best pals in the world. So, um, yeah, big shout out to them. What? Two women in business, black owned business as well. Um, absolutely nailing it. What are your, what's your biggest weakness in the business world, do you think? Uh, it used to be money. Um, right. And I think actually this seems to be quite prevalent across, um, especially women in business, because um, I think it, it's not even, it's not even to do with lack of knowledge, it's confidence. Um, what I see quite often is that when men talk about money, it's like throwing their dicks around. Like they're just like, this much, I need this much money for my startup. I need half a million pounds. Mm. And they don't even so think about it. there's ego attached to it, do you think? Yeah, I, th I think it's an ego, but I think it's also like, there's a kind of given that they'll get it from somewhere. Right. Whereas with women, quite a lot of the time, not always, um, we kind of doubt whether we're worth that because you have to, Think about how women are brought up to be told they're slower than men. They're not meant to be in the same category. They're, they're weaker than men. Um, we're not meant to be like equals to them at any point. We're always put in different teams. Like there's there's a constant kind of oppression. Um, and so when it comes to jobs, they say that if a man sees that he's qualified for 25% of it he'll go for it whereas if a woman 
sees that she's set only 75% qualified for a job, she won't go for it because it's not 100%. So that kind of sums it up, to be honest. Um, I can't remember what we were talking about. Money, weakness. Yeah, that's that was my weakness. Not so much anymore. What, because what, uh, Asking for it. Asking for it, understanding it, right. having confidence talking about it, telling people how much I my day rate is. Yeah. Um, it used to be like, but I mean, like, mm, like uh, we'll work something out though. And it's like, no, that's how much you're paying me. That's how much I'm worth. I'm probably worth more than that. And so you're going to pay it. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of the time, again, with Manifestation Mondays, I've like worked with women who have been like, but it's like, they're only a little business. So, you know, I'll only charge them 15 pounds an hour. And I'm like, like it can you even are you going to end up paying to do that job don't do it find another yeah so i guess what happens is you then help that business out at 15 pounds an hour that business then gets to a position with your help where it can afford to pay you what you actually are worth and then you're in a strange position where you know you might feel a bit awkward then asking for the, for more money uh what do you mean so if you start doing it at a lower rate yeah and then you and you help grow a business to to a position where you know you feel actually they can pay the proper rate now yeah you've then created a culture within your relationship with them where yeah they're actually paying you less for way more possibly yeah and which... then you're going to end up shooting yourself in the foot down the line aren't you because they'll probably think oh well, we can go somewhere else and get the same thing yeah. cheaper yeah i think that um or have I got that all wrong? No, it's, it's, okay. that 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 definitely happens. It sh it shouldn't necessarily happen. Um, you know, I've I've worked for free when I sh definitely shouldn't have done. But artists do that. They do, you know, that for exposure thing. That's which is, nonsense. That's yeah. created by people that don't want to pay for good work. Yeah. Um, I really think that you pay for what you're you're getting. I think I think it's it's the whole money thing, especially in business, like when. I'm going for investment or applying for grants or whatever, I would always find myself going under what they've said, thinking I'll definitely get it if I go under. And actually what I need to be doing is going over and then negotiating to the point where I actually am happy with the amount. Um, so it's about mindset change. And, right. and that is a huge, that's a whole life of unlearning. Um, how to think about money okay we've so, reached an hour we've reached an hour see i told you i'd say it <laughs> <laughs> you don't miss a damn thing <laughs> I don't. We, we have reached an hour yeah um so i, I let's let's close on i want to i want to know what your um the most creative um fun uh memorable pr campaign you've worked on has been oh i think that's quite cool it's a cool job, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I suppose so. It's, it's really hard me talking about PR now because I've decided that I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> but um, it's, it's quite a major thing because I'm kind of like, a lot of people come to me for PR. Me included. <laughs> yes. Um, and and I'm, I'm, I will, I will be, continue to be a PR consultant, so, you know, advising people, but not doing the actual Media relations. No. It's not for me anymore. Uh, the most creative, most fun, oh, it was for, um, oh my God. Wait, hang the on. The video game you were telling me about. Oh, that's also cool. I forgot about that. Full steam ahead, I made a video game uh, with Ardman for SS Great Britain and it won three awards. That was fun. That was really great. That was less PR. That was more kind of content stuff. Yeah. Um, See No Evil was one of my favourite things. So See No Evil was was Europe's largest urban art uh, gallery. So it was on Nelson Street in Bristol. It was when I worked for an agency. And um, essentially, um, See No Evil brought together hundreds of artists from all over Europe. And they came and painted Nelson Street in the centre of Bristol. And um, I remember we had... We, I did a media call at like midnight the night before it was meant to open 
because the artists were painting by like floodlights in the middle of the night. Amazing, incredible scenes. And um, we got loads of national photographers down, TV, um, like Good Morning Britain, all of that. It was so much fun. But it was mainly because I am a creative person anyway. I paint myself. And the people involved were amazing. It just, I felt so proud of that that campaign um and it reached worldwide press and that's that's what you want it's the gold standard it kind of is yeah nailed it and it was the same for upfest as well i did the pr for them for a while a good few years when i was at the agency and that was great fun um what's up first another graffiti festival right um so those and, and I, I guess um swallows and amazons or romeo and her uh, juliet and her romeo at bristol vic because of the national press that those attracted because of the director, Tom Morris, who's uh, the director of Warhorse. And um, yes. I haven't seen Warhorse yet. I've been meaning to. It's great. You'll cry. You'll definitely cry. Right. I know you. You'll cry. It's great. Yeah, you'll blub. Um, I did message you once I've cried at a film. Yeah. It's strange, isn't it? No. It's weird. It's nice. It's sweet. Well, no, it's just odd that it's always you. <laughs> I think you're quite quite happy being vulnerable. Actually, I wanted to talk about vulnerability, but we're right. at an hour already. Because I needed you to explain that to me yeah, once, Yeah, that's didn't why I? I wanted to talk about it. And then it. the penny dropped and it was like, oh, hello. Yeah, that's what it means. Yeah. So I think a lot of people, especially men, think that vulnerability is a weakness. Like yeah. that it means that they're this like vulnerable, like, man that needs help which is also fine yeah but that you're seeing it as a bad thing yeah whereas vulnerability means um actually just allowing yourself to be on the surface yeah i think because i was like <laughs> I'm not vulnerability is it's weakness i was coming out all like spark and logical it's weak weakness <laughs> you're like no it's and i was like oh it takes <laughs> it was... strength to be vulnerable and know it and ride with it yeah. and allow it. Yeah. And that is what we need to encourage in men in general, I think. Yeah. People in general, but I think specifically men, we need to remember that, you know, it's okay mm. to it's okay to feel a little weak and helpless sometimes. Mm. Um thankfully I don't think I've really ever felt that a hundred like hundreds of times or a lot of times in my life, but um or even felt it a hundred percent. But um, definitely, you know, if I'm feeling something, I, I try to remind myself a lot. Don't bury it. Mm. I mean, like, it's better just out. Yeah. And just, it, it, usually people are way better about these things than you imagine them to be in your head. Yeah. And that's where the vulnerability comes in is actually it allows other people to see you as a human. Yeah. And then makes them feel more comfortable and they can trust you more and like it really improves hu human connection um because if you know like we're talking now openly and that gives you a connection if i was like no nope, not going to talk shit about anything you'd be like all right yeah hard nut and you just sort of then think oh um all right well I'll let you oh, get so on with it, it then. exactly and then you no one comes in yeah and you, you that yeah but it's really hard to learn yeah and it's also really hard being a man I think that's like we need to talk more about that. Yeah, but not maybe not tonight. I don't mean I've got time tonight. No. I don't think. But, um, <laughs> but so what's next for Jess? Oh, do you know what I think? Like we're talking about the success thing. Yeah. Um, I swing between like last week. I was like, I'm going to retire by the time I'm 45. So bring it on. Let's go. Got to work my ass off. But actually, it's about working smarter, not harder. Yeah. Um, and I'd, st I'd still like that, but then it makes me think, why am I aiming for 45 to retire when actually I could have a kind of lifestyle that gives me what I'm, what I'm chasing longevity. at 45? Yeah. yeah. And like, actually, what is success to me? Success to me is feeling secure, happy, free, definitely free and wild, a bit wild, you know. <laughs> I really am on, on brands. Like, I like to be able to escape and break rules and surprise people that's what I like to do as you know when people expect something from me and actually I do the total opposite yeah. um 
And you, you're a fan of shutting people down a bit like that, aren't you? <laughs> I've done it a few times. <laughs> yeah. no, but normally when I... Because I can spot people a mile off now that are ready to fight me. Yeah. Um, because I am talking about empowering women. That's often... So I've got my patter down uh, now. And they want to clip your wings yeah, as well. Yeah, desperate to. Yeah. Um, and and it's, it's actually quite often people that don't... That are so desperate to understand it, but don't. So then we'll be like they'll just shut me down. Right. Instead of investing some time in you. Yeah. And actually getting to know you. Yeah. Um, it's easier to disagree, isn't it, than to yeah. listen. Well, we fear what we don't understand. Yes. Apparently. Apparently. I don't ever feel like that, though, do you? I don't feel, feel like you're an, a person that's, in, you know, incomprehensible. No. You know? I feel like you're very sort of, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how. <laughs> I don't know how anyone could be intimidated by you, really, in that regard. No, I don't either. That's why I, it always I don't know annoys you in a business me. Sense, not like I don't. Not like I haven't seen you like work in the, you know, work in the room in that regard. But that's the point. That's what I mean. I think it's because I'm not what people expect a business person to be like. Right. And I never will be because otherwise I will be playing into the system that I'm trying to change. I'm not going to be someone that people expect. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Giant Pod. My guest was Jess Helens, the force of nature. Please check out all the things she's involved with in the show notes descriptions. You can also leave a review, subscribe, and like this if you feel like it. Please follow my antics on Instagram at Andy underscore S1S. This was produced by the magnificent Harry Williams. Please check us out next week on The Giant Pod with me, Andy Rintmore. See you then. <laughs>